It's recording. That's gonna piss me off. Yeah, I see it there. Okay, let everyone know they're being recorded. Cool. All right, how are you doing? Oh, good. Hanging in there. Yeah. Well, are you already in? You're in North Carolina already, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so Murphy, North Carolina, just that little corner tucked away on the westernmost point of North Carolina. Um, I'm in South Carolina at one of my friends' house for a little Christmas gathering right now. Cool. So that was that, that last-minute trip that had come up. That uh, It's a three-hour drive, so I had to leave around 11, 11.20 just to get um, a charging stop in and everything. Oh, dang. I was actually in North Carolina yesterday. I had to drive up there. to. We were supposed to go pick up a car. Uh, it turned out the car the car that wasn't there. We couldn't find the customer. And so it was like a five-hour drive. So I ended up driving for about 12 hours. Yeah. It was big waste of nothing. It was pretty it was pretty frustrating, to be honest. Yeah, I drove yesterday. I drove up from Florida um yesterday morning. Yeah, yeah. I got up about I left about six thirty, got up to five thirty, left about six. Um added about an hour for charging time, ended up being pretty close. I ran into an hour of traffic, so it was right at twelve hours total. Mm. I'd imagine did you get to use autopilot at all? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, I think it was in total 550 miles. Um, I think 400 of it's just on straight, like, I-75 interstate. So it's it's great. It's a, um, may or may not have read half of a book on the way. <laughs> it depends on who's asking, right? <laughs> yeah, depends on the liability. <laughs> Okay, um, the worst part of this is always the beginning. Once the conversation starts, it's kind of, you know, it just goes along. Uh, it's still, I've done quite a few, but it's really hard to start the conversation because it's like, usually the beginning is like me trying to ask pinpoint questions. So I'm just going to like, just open it up at random and then we just flow and just keep the conversation as best as we can. Yeah, sure. I'm pretty much an open book. I don't mind really talking about anything personal or not um if my experience can help somebody through anything similar or or not then that's good enough for me cool beans okay so we'll start with birth okay all right so where are you born <laughs> yeah just, um, just a generic question just to throw it out there yeah so i grew up in uh central florida um between orlando and tampa i was born early early january 3rd 1990 um so 31 almost 32 years old um was born in winter haven grew up in Haines city auburndale um those are all kind of around the lakeland area between orlando and tampa um yeah all right um just because i just mental note i just realized i didn't introduce you hi everyone this is casey casey hello <laughs> Um, we're just going to be discussing portions of his life and his life experiences. Ran into him the other day while I was at work and saw how interesting his life was. So we're just going to dive on in. Um, so, uh, did you have a rough upbringing or was it quite simplistic in terms of, I guess, zero to 12, so to speak? Hmm. Um, I'm going to go with obviously aspects of both. Um, 
when you say rough, people tend to envision a struggle. Um, my parents did really well to hide that struggle from me. So yes, I, I grew up in a, a struggle, a struggle entangled environment. Um, but my parents did a really good job of, of keeping that from me. Um, we were in a single wide mobile home trailer until I was nine. Um, we graduated to a double wide until I was, until I moved out on my own at 21. Um, yeah, 21. Um, so yeah, financially speaking, it was, it was rough. Um, but there was no, there was no violence. There was no risk of homelessness. There was nothing like that, that, that I would consider rough for a lot of people. It was really just, just more financial than anything. Um, but it was good in the sense that, you know, my parents, they, they did have my best interests at heart. And I know a lot of people, some people don't experience that. Um, so from a modest perspective, I don't think it was rough, but there were definitely aspects that made it harder to, harder to flourish in a, a social aspect. So, uh, there were, there were definitely ways where it was a struggle in ways that it wasn't. Okay. I can see that. Um, from your upbringing, I guess, how do you translate that to your kids? Uh, I know we haven't spoke about that yet and that's kind of skipping basis, but you have two kids, two kids. Um, my daughter is 11. Uh, she'll be 12 in March. My son is seven. He'll be eight in January. We actually have the Wait, same birthday, January 3rd. Yeah. Both have the uh, same birthday. You and your son. Yeah, oh, my son cool. will share the same that's birthday. Dope. <laughs> that's dope. Yeah. Um, well, he ended up being, uh, let's see, our daughter was breech. So she was a C-section. And then I guess if you have a C-section, you can opt for a C-section for subsequent children. Um, and I want to say he was actually facing the wrong way as well. Um, but we ended up doing a C-section with him too. And they gave us like a three-day window. Like, pick one of these three days, and we're going to do it. And I was like, well, uh, my birthday. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they gave us, like, the, the third, fourth, or fifth, or something like that. And I was like, the third. Like, how cool would it be to share a birthday with your kid? Um, birthdays were never really, again, probably just from growing up poor. Like, birthdays were never... <sighs> Having a birthday a week or so after Christmas and growing up super-duper poor, like birthdays just became non-exciting for me after like 10 um because i I, that's when the age i kind of started to realize like the financial struggle that exists and almost kind of feeling guilty for expecting anything on my birthday if that makes sense um so birthdays pretty quickly became just another day for me so i had no problem like conceding that day to your child right probably because it's an opportunity to provide better for him than i had for myself so it's almost like a graduation in my own way in that respect of I have an opportunity to do better than, than what I was raised with. Okay. So after giving it some forethought and connecting a couple dots, you said you moved out at around 21, right? Mm-hmm. And your daughter is also 11. Given your age, I'm assuming you moving out had some consequence to do with your daughter being born or at least conceived. Um, the, the timing is coincidental. So, um let me let me recap this the best i can so um my children's mother and i we got together in high school uh she was one grade below me so 
I was 18, she was 17. Um, we had that whole like high school love, you know, we're going to go after the world kind of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Talk about rose colored glasses. Right. Um, but yeah, and that works for some people, you know, it does. Um, but for us, like we were kids, we didn't know what the world was like. We, we thought we knew, um, got hit pretty quickly with reality. We ended up splitting up, uh, 2015, early 2015. Um, but you know, we had this whole like dive head first into life attitude. Um, didn't think things through very well. We we had our daughter pretty early. Uh, she was born in 2010, so uh, about two years after I graduated high school, um, we had a kid. Um, my parents. So when I was in college, I went. I'm sorry, high school. I was looking at college recruiting events at our school, and you know, my parents liked the idea of living in the mountains in North Carolina. Uh, one of the schools was High Point University in High Point, North Carolina. <laughs> That's um, such a funny name. I know, right? <laughs> um, but I, I kind of looked into the school. It, it seemed like a really nice school. Um, it had a lot of extracurriculars that I would have been into. Um, but I realized after probably a month or so of talking about it and getting into the idea of going there, you know, my parents were looking at houses up that way. Um, they kind of fell in love with the idea of living in the mountains in a log cabin. Um, so I looked into the school. Uh, I don't remember. It was one of the times I was coming through their website. Um, I noticed that they only offered master's degrees and affordability would have been a huge issue going like straight for a master's degree. So I kind of dropped that idea but my parents didn't drop the idea of wanting to live in the mountains. So they, they moved out and kind of just left me and, and uh, my partner and our newborn child uh, in the house. Um, they obviously couldn't make two house payments. They were behind already. Um, I, honestly, looking back, I don't know how they got approved for purchasing another different home. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> they they let the existing home go back to the bank. So they're kind of just like, you can live here until the bank takes it back. And then after that, you'll figure it out. And I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> I, I thought I would have. This was what, 2021? Yeah, and this was 2010, 2011, 2021, around that time frame. Um, That's wild. Yeah, well, it was shortly after the, the housing crisis in 2008. So... I was under the impression like it's going to take them like a year to get through this paperwork. So cool. I'm fine with it. Like that'll give me enough time to save up money, get my own place, whatever. Um, yeah. Two months after they moved out, we got a letter that was like, you got to get out. I was like, okay. All right. So, um, yeah, right. Uh, we found a fairly affordable place. Um, I was working at the time when I, when we moved out, I was working for practically minimum wage at, uh, Chick-fil-A. No, this, this was, I think I was doing a, I was a line cook at a bar at that time, which was like eight, nine dollars an hour. Um, my wife at the time did not work. Um, she had an associate's degree. I had, a, I was working on my bachelor's degree. Um, I had my associates. Uh, no, she, she finished her associates after we moved out, but um, we were, like I said, man, we were just like practically still teenagers. Um, 
but I kind of knew what I was doing, but still like living on our own was just a completely new thing. Um, but we were both in college still and we had Pell Grants and things like that to help. Uh, we went to a local community college, so we actually got Pell Grant refunds at the end of the semester. Um, between Pell Grant refunds, tax returns for having a child, um, and my basically minimum wage job, um, we made enough to get by, but nothing, nothing spectacular, nothing, any amount that I could save got completely wiped out by these random semi-emergencies that people tend to experience, you know, pop a tire, I got a flat tire. Um, yeah, my wife, saying, and life, yeah, she life experience, regular, normal life experiences. Right. They're like, once you're an adult, you have things to kind of like, you might have a savings account or, um, like an FSA, she had a dental emergency and I had to take her to the dentist and it was like $1,300 that completely wiped out my savings. Um, things that an adult might have like an HSA or an FSA for that I hadn't had the opportunity to build yet. So do you think, um, because I know you guys aren't together anymore. We discussed that prior to, do you think moving out so early and having like that responsibility kind of like thrown on you guys' back kind of caused the split or was it like y'all were young and y'all just had like personality clashes that caused you to split as time went by? Both. Um, definitely both. You know, some people are built for that like immediate commitment in life. Uh, some people's mentality, their psyche is made for a partner. Um, and some people have to experience other life experiences before they're ready for a partner, I think. Um, my mentality was ready. I, I was ready for okay, let's set goals, let's knock these goals out, let's let's progress through life and do this. Um, she was not. She needed that, that life experience, that basically college-level experience of becoming an adult before she would have been ready for a relationship. And obviously that's not something you know as a teenager. Um, especially, like, if you're... <sighs> you... I don't want to insult anybody that's been through this situation uh, by making light of my own but um if you lack the forethought enough to have a child that early without really like knowing yourself or your partner like that because in the moment it feels like you do you know as as you're living your life it feels like you know we've all been a teenager we all know that we feel like we've got it figured out yeah uh, and just the realization that you don't have it figured out is is earth rattling um to say the least um, yeah yeah um you know luckily i was we were able to keep things really amicable um especially like i said being like high school first love kind of thing you know you never that never leaves you it, it does for some people but i think generally it doesn't um and there's there's a lot of ways that i would still do anything for this woman to make sure that she's that she's good right like I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Would never let her fall on her face if I could help it without sacrificing my state too much, you know. Um, but you know, she takes care of the kids sometimes, so she's got to be good to be good for them, you know. Yeah. Um. How did how do you balance the co-parenting thing? How does that work? Because I know some of my relatives that have their 
back and forth in terms of co-parenting. But like, how is your balance? How did you come up with your rapport? Um, when we split, I drew a line in the sand and explained to her that there's no way I would ever settle for anything less than 50-50. Um, because to me, uh, you know, kids, kids do need both parents. Um, I had always thought that I know it's hard to do 50-50 sometimes, like school schedules and things like that, especially if you don't live close to your previous partner. Um, but we were, we were close. I mean, we were within five miles. We were both within 15 minutes of their school. Um, my hours at work made that a little hard to do sometimes. And I mean, if you plotted it out on a calendar, it probably wasn't actually 50-50, but it was, it was as close as we could make it. Um, because there are, there are things that I can do for these kids that she can't and vice versa. I think it's really important for kids to have both of those experiences. Um, there were growing pains accommodating that, like learning to live that shared lifestyle. Um, I think the hardest part about it was learning to communicate in a different way than we were used to. Um, you know, talking about like doctor's appointments and things like that. Like it's not just as simple as having your child sleep with you at night. And that's, that's kind of it. Um, you know, there's, there's school events, there's things that you have to purchase for the children. There's, uh, doctor's appointments and things like that. Um, I was happy to take on the financial burden of, of everything like, you know, field trips, agendas, school uniforms, things like that. Um, yeah. Because I, I made a decent amount of money and, and she, when she worked, did not. Um, so that was never really like a point of contention. It was something that I conceded early on that, you know, I'd have to take care of them in that way because she may not always be able to. Um. Have you ever had like an issue with, say, hypothetically speaking, or possibly her having a partner and then like your reaction to her kid's partner? Because I have like a, I have a relative. Um, he he's I don't know if it's like a, a a masculine thing or an insecurity thing or a protection thing. He doesn't like his um, child's mother having any partner of hers touch or interact in an intimate way with his child he's like don't touch my daughter don't you can talk to her you can play with her but don't hug her don't correct don't touch her you know don't interact with her as if you were a part of our family because i don't want her confused and i don't know if it's her that's going to be confused or that's more in his head so how about yourself uh, well very surface level uh observation i would probably say that's in his head um Myself, so my my ex-wife's, um, they're no longer currently together, but they were together for pretty much uh, the entire previous six-ish years. Um, but her partner was textbook narcissism, um, possessive, uh, easily offended. <laughs> Uh, presumptive. So, I mean, he was a lot of these things that, that I feared. And I remember specifically like, so, you know, the uh, stages of grief, I remember in my anger stage of separating uh, from my ex-wife, 
that I remember specifically telling her, I I hope he's a monster to you and you realize how bad you're you're messing up. Um, and I, I, re- I regret, regret saying that, you know, that's not a nice thing to say, uh, particularly in your defense or any natural human's defense, when you're going through an emotional overdrive like that, you tend to have extreme things to say, especially as a man, because we're not used to really honing in on our emotions. We kind of just let them most men, at least, uh, you know, like the stereotypes, yeah. we kind of just suck them in and let them pass by. So when you actually feel your emotions, you kind of react in a more explosions yeah and and part of that statement was based off of interactions that i've had or seen with him already so like i kind of had an inclination that he had the potential to be that way um and i'm a fairly good judge of character i think i tend to hit the nail on the head a lot when it comes to people and and their their personality um you know idiosyncrasies their their traits things like that so I kind of picked up on it super quickly just based off of the the very brief conversations we had had up to that point. Um, but like I said, like, you know, I, I don't, obviously nobody means for anyone else to be abused mentally, emotionally, physically, whatever. Um, but he turned out to be most of those things. Um, very manipulative, um, emotionally abusive. Um, and something about her personality got hooked by that. Um, and they ended up, you know, separating, getting back together probably a dozen times over the past five years. Like, it's crazy how unstable all of that was. Um, I'm kind of, sorry, I'm kind of trailing off and forgetting, like, what was your, oh, how do I deal with, like, what's my opinion like on that? Like, yeah. yeah, so, um... You know, I guess the question is in that scenario, like, how do you how do you approach a narcissist that takes care of your kids half the time or is around your kids half the time? Um, you know, obviously you want everybody along. And yeah, it. You know, I'm telling you, that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to navigate in my life. Um, trying to figure this man out, um, you know, what sets him off, what doesn't. Um, and funny enough i had to purposely set him off a couple of times to, to find those boundaries um that was really entertaining but um <laughs> you know you, you gotta find you gotta find the boundaries and then learn how to operate inside of them um and he had two kids of his own from previous marriage so i i had seen him interact with and parent his kids a little bit so for me it wasn't that much of an issue because i know that from an objective perspective, this man loves his kids and he loves my ex-wife. So logic would state he would take care of my kids too. Um, and that turned out to be the case. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. He never put his hands on my kids, never did anything that I'm aware of to them that would, would hurt them long-term, um, like no outbursts or anything like that. Um, and a lot of his, a lot of his negative traits were more so just manipulation, emotional and uh, um, verbal than anything else. Have you ever come into contact with his ex-wife? Yeah, um, <laughs> not like, very like much. That would tell a lot about him if you come into contact with where he was before. Well, so 
you know, of course, when you when you start talking to a potential partner and they have an ex and they tell you their story about how it didn't work out with their ex, like you always take that with a grain of salt because you're hearing their perspective and every story has two sides. Um, in this case, both he and his ex-wife were that shit crazy, dude. Um, you couldn't <laughs> believe either one of them. Describe it. Um, and, and to give you some perspective, like why I think that and why I say that, I didn't have a ton of interaction with her. Um, I think we both ended up on a field trip with our kids because they all went to the same school. We both ended up on a field trip with the kids and... Uh, there was one conversation like immediately after we all split. Um, she tried to invite me out to bars and I essentially had it confirmed that her intention was to seduce me to get back at her husband for sleeping with my ex-wife. Um, it, it was some whole like Jerry Springer shit. But um, <laughs> I, as soon as I picked up on like, because she messaged me on Facebook and it started off just like an innocent conversation and it was... Uh, then it moved to alcohol and, oh, do you like this? Do you like Crown Apple? We should go out to a bar and have some. And I was like, no, I, I see what you're doing. Like, just stop it. Like, I'm not I'm not into that. I'm not the revenge type of person. Like, if you have an issue with what's happened, take it out with your ex-husband, I guess. Um, but yeah. don't try to, to get me to sleep with you to get back at them. Like, that's not me. Yeah, I understand that a lot. Did have you ever like spoken to your kids about well obviously you probably have but like do you see any effects that maybe they never mentioned in terms of your kids with the hassle back and forth well i don't want to say hassle because that sounds negative but you get what no, I mean? I, yeah yeah i know what you're trying to say um it when we split up my son was like one so it wasn't as dramatic on him because it's kind of all he's ever known. Um, but my daughter was five, so she can vaguely remember like a time when our, their mom and I were together. Uh, they can remember a time when we were all in the, she can remember a time when, when we were all in the same household. Um, it's, it's been a little destabilizing for her, but I think there was more impact from the lack of consistency with my ex-wife and her then husband. Um, because like I mentioned, they, they split up and got back together several times throughout the years. Um, I think my kids were told on at least three separate occasions that this will be the last time you see his kids and just get used to them not being around. And they would separate. And then it was just kidding. We're back together. And they're thrown back into this circus, right? Um, Is there tension so, between the two different groups of kids? Or no, parents? no. They got along great. Um, to my knowledge, uh, the, this other man and his ex-wife ended up getting things figured out, I guess. Um, but I think between the other, you know, speaking specifically of this, whatever you'd call it, I guess, me, my ex-wife, her ex-husband and his ex-wife but square the love square all, i guess i don't i don't know um but between them there there were lots of medication needed um and i think there eventually were doses figured out that they kind of stabilized and got along um but not a lot of tension not a lot of um 
yes, I don't even know the word I'm looking for, but not a lot of attention to the degree that they couldn't function. Oh, survival is always best. Um, yeah. <laughs> what did you go to school for? Um, <laughs> so I went to a, a local community college. By the time I was almost done with my AA, they started offering, offering bachelor's degrees, uh, which was fantastic for me because that meant, one, I got to stay local. Um, didn't have to uproot, uproot my life to figure something out in Tampa or Orlando at USF or UCF. Um, they only had like six different degree programs that, that I could go for. Um, ended up going with, you know, business administration, supervision and management. It's kind of like the, the liberal arts degree of bachelor's degrees. Uh, it's just kind of what people tend to go for. Um, usually easier requirements to hit more general courses. Um, and I wasn't absolutely sure what I wanted to do with my life at that time. So just in order to kind of keep going and keep taking classes, that's what I went for. Uh, so my bachelor's is in supervision and management. Okay, um, and so you're you're in sales now. And so, what would you say? What I'm trying to get to, what would you say is the biggest takeaway from like your education and like I guess the real world? Because I mean, a lot of people, especially like my age, around 21, anywhere between like 18 to 24, it feels like like no matter how much school you go through, it doesn't seem to translate into I guess what everyone's chasing is dollars, but in terms of like, it doesn't translate into you actually developing a career out of everything you've studied. It feels almost like a waste, and unless it's like nursing or, you know what I mean? Like very, right. very, very linear in terms of pathways. Yeah, yeah, you're correct. So that's actually what I was gonna say was that unless your degree is, is a specialized field that leads directly to a career path, such as nursing, computer science, um, or something very specialized like uh my daughter wants to be an archaeologist because she's obsessed with jurassic park and i'm like i don't i don't understand how you turn that into a career i don't know <laughs> what's the career path <laughs> for archaeology but um I don't know. A lot I of thought that yeah i have thought that multiple times about my degree my degree um practically speaking from a career perspective has been useless um employers don't consider degrees experience anymore uh, that's probably one of the biggest obstacles is that you know even if you have a bachelor's degree they still want x number of years of experience in management and you know you're thrown into this conundrum of how do i get experience without getting a job and how do i get a job without having experience um so my biggest benefit from my degree has been more so a thought process adjustment um, learning how to research properly, uh, how to um, confirm thought processes through deconfirmation of other thought processes, um, more so just mental adjustments rather than anything else, um, you know, through the research papers and all of that. Um, okay. But yeah, yeah, you're right. I've, you know, I, I my career history has mainly been sales because that's been like the easiest field to get into that paid the most money. Um, and, you know, like I said, kind of growing up, frankly, poor and progressing from minimum wage jobs to having to support, 
you know, someone else and one and then two kids, sales kind of was, was the option for me because it was like, this is what you can do. That's going to pay you what you need. Um, and then I just kind of never left it. Um, I was working for AT&T up until a month ago. Um, I'm transitioning into software sales because they have the remote work from home function, uh, which is going to be great. It's a lot easier than a random schedule every week. Um, How does it work with AT&T and sales? Do you get paid off like phones or is it TV service or is it they're like separate entities or like how does that work? All the above. So their hourly was really competitive. I think they're hiring now at around 14 Thirteen fifty, fourteen an hour. Um, with AT and T, they have a wireless. Uh, what is it called? CWA. Um, it's a union. CWA is the acronym. I don't know. I don't remember. Wireless Wor- Communication Workers of America. I think it is. But um, part of their union contract is you get three raises a year. You get a, a semi-annual raise, and then you get a cost of living raise in February. Um, you get your semi-annual raises up until you hit your maximum payout uh, on your hourly. Um, it took me about three years to get there. Uh, and then you just get a cost of living raise every year. But the, the hourly is pretty great. Um, the payout, the commission payout on everything else just kind of always changes. I think I went through two or three different comp plans while I was there over five years. Um they pay the most, at least as of the time that I left, based off new phone numbers. So when you add a new line to an account or you subscribe a customer to new internet or TV service, those kind of paid the most uh, based on each action that you did. And then there were a couple of things that were percentage-based, um, like your insurance attach rate, your accessory attach rate, things like that. But overall, that's, it paid pretty well. That sounds really, really complex. It kind of was, but, like, you also kind of just learn what pays you and what doesn't. Um, You know, if I had a customer that was being picky about wanting their monthly price to stay below a certain amount, I would know to offer them insurance over a more expensive phone because I'd get paid more based on insurance than based off if they bought a more expensive phone or something like that, you know. So it's it's about framing of, like, you could spend $45 a month on this phone, or you could spend $35 a month, get insurance, you're only paying $5 more than you're covered if X, Y, or Z happens. Um, then a lot of people are like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then I'd get paid for a new phone and for insurance rather than just a new phone. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, how, would, uh, how would you approach customers? That's, that's too vague of a question. What I mean by that is like knowing especially for people like say myself entering sales, how do you find a way to approach the customer without trying to, I guess, convey a message of, Oh, I'm trying to get you to spend money. So I make money, but rather like, Hey, I'm trying to help you, you. but I also make money by helping you. Um, I will say that there's almost been a generational shift in the sales environment over the past several years. Um, you know, when you look at the last generation, it was like customers felt almost entitled and 
they were on the lookout for something for being sold and everybody always is um but lately there's been the shift of customers just really really appreciating honesty um and there were a lot of customers who well i'll get to that but just to answer your question a little more directly um this was a walk-in sales position people would come to the store and i would help them um i would hear out what they wanted to do first then of course in my mind i'm already kind of like going in the direction of what's going to pay me the most on this um and me personally my objective was to help the customer more than to make money for myself like i wasn't going to suggest they do something that would put them in a bad position just so i could make five six dollars like that wasn't it wasn't worth it for me but um you had to find a way to bridge that gap between what they're asking for and what's going to pay you um while not putting them in a bad position at least you know based off my preference um so a lot of times i'd ask like you know do you have a kid that is coming of age that you're considering getting a phone for um that's how i would get new lines to accounts um i would look for ways to save people money uh like you know maybe your current phone isn't under a promotion but if you trade it in you can get one on a promotion and you'll end up actually saving five dollars a month while getting a new phone um and a lot of people you know back to the honesty thing a lot of people appreciated me saying well if you do this i'm gonna make a small amount of money but the amount of money I would make is not worth it to put you in a bad position. So I wouldn't recommend doing this if it wasn't actually going to help you in some way. Yes, I do get paid on it, but whether I did or not, I'd still recommend that you do it. Um, and that kind of like disarmed a lot of people and that notion of you're just trying to tell me to do this so you make some money, right? Mm. Um, but I can tell you a lot of the older crowd, like the, the baby boomers, still think that way. And it's really hard to break that thought process. Um, even if you've done it for years with other groups of people, the boomers are the hardest people to convince that they're just... It's like they grew up believing everything was a scam. And <laughs> you're just not going to convince them. Um <laughs> a prime example is you remember these old I, I don't know if you remember actually but before unlimited data plans went away like the first time it was something that nobody really ever used because our phones this is you know before the smartphone era phones didn't use data all that much um i think sending picture messages or um emails with attachments were kind of the only things that used data so AT&T, of course, had an, un well, all the carriers had an unlimited data option that once you had that option, you know, it's there. Um, and then I guess they restructured things to where they, they went to like a shared data plan where you had X amount of gigabytes of data for everybody on your account to pull together and use. Um, well, during that time, a lot of people who worked for cellular companies would tell customers who had this previous unlimited thing, like you can't get this anymore, don't get rid of it. Um, naturally, unlimited plans came back because we started using our phones for social media and things like a Skype calls, yeah. um, things yeah. like that. And unlimited data came back for everybody on an account. Well, I would occasionally run into people who still had these first generation unlimited plans where they're paying, 
an extra $40 a month for one phone number to have unlimited data. And I was like, you can just switch to this group unlimited plan where everybody has unlimited and it's $30 a month less than what you're paying now. And people are like, no, I don't want to switch. I'm like, why? It's, it's like literally the same thing. It's even probably more beneficial because you don't have overage costs. You get free uh, North America calling and everybody in your account's unlimited. And it's $30 less per month. Like what, what's the bad, what's the downside to this? And they're like, nope, I was just told years ago to never change it. So I'm not going to. It's like <laughs> when you were told that these new unlimited plans didn't exist and now they do. So, and yeah. they're like, nope, not going to change it. New phone, but not a new, new data plan. It's kind of like, I had, a customer, I, I had a customer who switching them to the current unlimited plans, um, gave them a ton of more features like hotspot and things like that and would have reduced their bill like $55 a month. And they said no, just because they didn't want to get rid of the old plan just because they couldn't get it back if they lost it. Um, so I, I know that doesn't directly answer your question, but um, there I are some people does. you just can't approach. Like it doesn't matter what you say or do They're They're just not going to, they're stuck. There are some people who are too stuck in their ways to adapt. And so um, I know we haven't mentioned this in the pod at all, but you're moving to North Carolina to help your mom out. So I wanted to throw that out there. So how are sure. you transitioning with that? Coming from Florida, getting to Georgia, and now just slowly moving forth further north. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so okay, I know. Hopefully I don't go too much further north. Uh, North Carolina is cold enough. Um, but to give you more background on that, um, I don't know if you just didn't want to dive into this because you're not quite sure where the personal line is or not. I don't mind sharing. Um, you know, I'm from Florida. I started dating a girl who was from Alabama who uh, came down to Florida for a career and we met. We started dating pretty seriously. Uh, I think we've been together over two years and she took a promotion to the Atlanta region. So after probably navigating the worst minefield of my life by asking my ex-wife to let the kids move with us out of state, <laughs> um, we eventually got settled on something that she agreed to let the kids move with us to Georgia. Um, we moved to Georgia, and then about 11 months later, you know, I, I don't know if it was just finally living in the same house or or what, um, but, you know, sometimes relationships just don't work out. And that's kind of where I was, what I was thrown into of having to, you know, be out of state in an area where I know nobody besides my 10 coworkers. Um, and also trying to find a place that, would keep my kids in a good school that I could afford um, that wouldn't really disturb them too much. Um, that was in the, at the end of October, all that started happening. Um, my dad passed away from uh, COVID. You know, he was unvaccinated, very stubborn, uh, but he passed away at the end of September so, you know, we, I was still kind of dealing with that 
when you throw in a breakup of an over three-year relationship that you relocated for. Um, you know, I had all these options in my head, like, do I move back down to Florida where all my friends are? Um, but I still run into the issue of affordability in schools. Do I try to find a place locally and stay local where the schools are really great, but I might struggle financially and, and start living paycheck to paycheck because it's just me and two kids? Or, you know, do I kind of just swallow my pride and say, you know what, it's not the worst thing in the world starting over at 31, uh, move back in with my mom and try to find the silver lining there. Um, and that's kind of what I did for a couple of different reasons. One is to help my mom out. Um, you know, my dad was the one who did all the, the maintenance stuff, you know, pressure washing the deck, uh, cleaning the gutters. Um, you know, they have a gravel driveway on the side of a mountain and that has to be re refilled every now and then. Um, just things like that, that my mom has never had to do. And that was a big reason that I moved, I chose to move in with my mom. Uh, but the other biggest reason probably is that, you know, when you kind of get locked into life, right? Like when you get put in this situation where you're just comfortable enough that you can't really afford to take any risks, that's when your life starts becoming like a day-to-day -day thing. And that's what starts wearing on you, whether people realize it or not, is when you are, when your routine is too consistent, it's just as bad as not having a routine at all. Um, so moving that's in with my mom, quote. what? I said, that's a nice quote. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, so moving in with my mom really kind of gave me that ability to take a risk and try something else. Um, and that's why I'm transitioning into the job that I am, which fortunately it looks like it'll end up being better than AT&T as far as pay goes. Um, their benefits aren't quite as great, but I think it's still outweighed by the increase in pay. Um, but more importantly, just gaining that ability to take a risk has been just a huge breath of fresh air to me. Um, because, you know, if that job doesn't work out, I, I was at AT&T five years mainly because they paid just enough to keep me comfortable and not encourage me to look somewhere else. Um, so if this job doesn't work out, you know, what's the worst case scenario? I have a little bit of savings to live off of and I'll find something else. Those are, those are risks that you can't take when you're on your own, um, especially with two kids, because what happens if you, if your job is miserable or you don't make as much money as you thought you would, um, you might have to pick and choose what gets attention. Like, do I have to cancel my kid's dentist appointment because I don't have money for the co-pays and, and the 20% that insurance doesn't cover? Um, do I have to put off a, a physical for my daughter's soccer because I can't afford the, the $95 physical visit? Like, I didn't want to be put in that position. So, you know, the lifting the financial worries and the financial burden of moving back in with my mom, with my mom uh, was probably a, a really good thing for the time being um and you know like i mentioned kind of like swallowing your pride like lots of people start over for lots of different reasons in their life and this very well may not even be the last time that i start over so kind of coping with hey starting over is not a bad thing um was probably the hardest part about all of this for me 
um, one of my friends, one of my friends said something that really kind of resonated with me, um, with me through all of this. He, you know, I was, I, I leaned on him pretty heavy trying to figure out all this stuff, like what all my options are, what my best option was, you know, I'm terrified of making bad decisions, um, which has been really kind of hindering in my life, but I feel my friend, yeah, it's like, dude, I'm so terrified of just not making the optimal decision. Um, and in this situation, there were too many unknown factors to really kind of make to, to determine a best decision. Um, but my friend said, Casey, you know, you do have a, a few options in front of you. And I know they don't, none of them particularly feel great. But they're, none of them seem great because they're all good options. It just doesn't feel good because you're being forced to make a, a choice. Somebody else is making this decision for you and you have to determine what's best for you. Versus if you decided to do this, for example, if you decided to end your relationship, these options wouldn't feel so terrible because you're the reason you're making the decision, not someone else. Um, so that kind of helped open my eyes to like, yeah, my, you know what? My options aren't terrible. They really aren't. Um, and I accepted that, you know, I just, I have to start over. I've got to flip that switch and start over. Um, and then the options kind of started seeming not so intimidating. Um, and, you know, moving in with mom to help her out, to help me out, it's a, a mutually beneficial situation. Um, really just kind of started seeming like a good option. You know, I'll have an opportunity to save some money to, you know, get into property investment or whatever my next venture turns out to be. And you'll have the opportunity to have a foundation where you can, per se, hypothetically build your next building, so to speak, if that makes sense. Like you have the flower bed to plant your seeds in order for something greater to blossom. Right. Well, if you were still on your own struggling from paycheck to paycheck or without the excess money necessary to save, then it's finding a way to where you can set your finances to where you make the excess money, but there's no time frame on that. You're going to have to sit there and juggle with life until it finally gets there and then something happens that's how life always works something happens and everything that you built so far it falls apart you got to put it back together it falls apart you got to put it back together so yeah unfortunately well i mean that's not really unfortunate. i love i loved how after listening to everything i love how the decision process made and i feel like that is the right decision yeah i, I think so too um as much as I hate to admit it, I mean, money runs the world, right? Like that has to be, yeah. even if you don't want it to be, it kind of has to be your primary objective. Um, Unfortunately. It, it, at least in the beginning. And, you know, not having a financially appealing option to stay where I was or move back to Florida really kind of just eliminated those things. Um, so, you know, moving back in with mom was kind of, the the only decision left. Hang on one second. Sorry. No, you're fine. Um, yeah, just uh, you know, having that flexibility of, you know, like I said, it's looking like this job is going to turn out to to pay as much or maybe even a little more than I thought initially. So 
how long am I going to stay with my mom? As long as she needs me, but you know, obviously not going to be one, two, three years, probably six months to a year or so and save up some money in the meantime, pay off some debt. Um, maybe try to focus on paying my car off to alleviate that monthly expense, you know, things like that. That makes a lot of sense. Um, speaking of which, we didn't talk about Tessie. <laughs> yeah. um, just a few like tad bits of like just little advice from you. Number one, what would you say would be the biggest difference between a regular, you know, gasoline vehicle and a Tesla? Just for those of those humans out there that don't understand. <laughs> um, there's there's so many points and I could probably talk about this. Like you could probably have an entire episode dedicated to just these differences. But um, to keep it short and sweet, it, it really depends on what your prior priorities are as a person. Um, for me, my time is invaluable. Um, I don't. My ex-girlfriend that we just separated, she would pay for convenience. Um, maybe that habit rubbed off on me a little bit, but God, I just, I hate wasting time. Maybe it's because, you know, we're kind of stuck in this day-to-day -day thing where we work so much or feel like we have to work so much. But when I have a day off, I want a day off. I don't want to do anything else besides what I want to do. Um I would say the biggest alleviation has been leaving work and not having to stop to get gas on the way home just because it, it doesn't seem like a big thing, but like that five, 10 minutes every time adds up a lot. Um, not having to get gas on the way to work, um, not having to schedule an oil change on my day off. Cause you know, you've got the travel to and from the shop. You've got, however long it's there. I mean, you can do one of those quick, like 10 minute oil change things, but I liked taking mine to dealerships because they do the other things. Like they check all the other fluid levels. They check your tire gauge or your tire tread depth, um, things like that. Like I always did those just because they, again, they were convenient. They were things that I didn't have to do separately. Um, and that took like an hour. So, you know, between commuting, you're talking an hour and a half, two hours on your day off. Like, man, that adds up so much. It does. Um, it really Especially does. Like you're working all the time. You feel like you're never actually free to do whatever you want to do. Everything, your life just feels like it's consuming you in a weird way. Like you're never actually it's, free. It kind of is. Like you have obligations coming at you from so many different aspects of your life that you're like, sometimes you let things slip that need attention. Um, and just not having to worry about any of those things with a vehicle is, is so liberating. Um, but like I said, I, I know that it doesn't like people might listen to this and go, well, that's, that's pretty snooty or whatever, but it's one of those things you don't realize, like pay attention the next time you do it. Um, or just like for a month, add up how long you're standing at a pump pumping gas. <laughs> um, <and laughs> I would have much rather spent that time somewhere else. Um, those are those few, few moments you could have with your kids before you go tuck them in. Right, exactly. It's like um, five, ten minutes seems so short, but it's so long in the lifespan of twenty-four hours. Exactly, and you know, I, I traveled quite a bit. You know, this this girl that I was dating that we just split up, she lived about forty-five minutes from me. So sometimes I'd go to her house after work or whatever, 
I mean, I was putting gas in my car once a week, um, if not more. Um, I was getting an oil change every couple of months instead of every three months. So those factors kind of like doubled down, so to say. Um, but, you know, I what I was paying for my car before, plus gas and maintenance, was practically the same thing that I paid for my Tesla. So it really wasn't a hard financial transition. The hardest part about it was, well, would be um, for other people. Sorry, let me, that sounds bad. Let me rephrase that. So the issue other people might run into making that transition would be the, the paper trail, the the approval from a bank for a more expensive loan. Um, because banks don't, when you get a loan for a gas vehicle, they don't consider or care what you're going to pay for gas or maintenance. Like they don't factor that into your approval decision. Um, with an electric vehicle, all those costs are kind of rolled into the price of the vehicle. So when you go to get a loan for it, the loan is going to be a higher amount, but they're so much easier to operate and the maintenance is almost non-existent. There's no gas expenditure. Um, the bank doesn't care about those things. So, you know, they just see the sticker price that you want to finance and make a decision based off of that. And that's probably the biggest obstacle is, you know, if banks would consider, yes, this vehicle is expensive, but you're also not going to be spending $150, $200 a month on gas. I feel like that really kind of open up the the barrier of entry into electric vehicles a little, a little bit more for everyone. Yeah. I mean, with every major manufacturer moving towards EVs, I feel like the market's really going to level itself out within the next like four or five years. Or maybe yes. more than that, because everyone is getting rid of their bigger engines like Dodge. They're getting rid of their V8s. And they're moving to different engines to move towards electric vehicles. So with everyone going towards EVs, I feel like the market's really going to drop. Well, I'm hoping. <laughs> Potentially, yeah. 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 At least I'm hoping that's the case. But what would you say would be the best advice that you could give? And I know you probably wouldn't think that well i don't know some people are like well i don't know if i give good advice well what would be the best advice that you could give <laughs> to a single parent um even though oh, you're still technically co-parenting i feel like from my perspective you're the primary caretaker so yeah yeah I, I did end up being the primary especially after we moved and things started getting a little more unstable with my ex-wife's relationship um that's a hard question to really pin down because everybody's situation is so different. You know, you've got single parents who there's a high level of resentment between their, their ex-partner, their kid's mom or, or dad. Um, you have parents who can co-parent effectively. Um, but I think the biggest kind of general advice that may not apply to everyone is obviously you've got to think about the kids first. Like you've got to learn to be able to step out of your own shoes and look at what's happening in your life from an external unbiased perspective. Um, and that can probably be applied to a lot more in life than just single parenthood. Um, there's, there's no shame or guilt in asking for help or, having a good relationship with your ex like you don't have to take out you don't have to feel bitter you don't have to take it out on your kids or your your ex-partner um saying that i appreciate that because our generation has this idea that 
if they're an ex, then you can't have like a relationship with them or it won't. There's no rapport to be had, so to speak. And it's like, yeah. I don't think that's the case. Yeah, and, and there haven't been a whole lot because, again, my previous relationship was over three years. But any potential partner that I met or spoke with, uh, I mean, it's still now I would still do it. You know, when that conversation comes up about, you know, what does your life look like? And, you know, I've got two kids, I've got an ex-wife. Like, there's always the disclaimer of my kids are my priority. I do have a good relationship with their mom. And that is important to me. And it's not going to change. Like, it's almost as important as the do you want to get remarried or do you want another kid conversation? Um, Because any new partner is going to be involved in your ex-partner's life as well. Like, you're always going to have that that relationship like your kids aren't going to go away um speaking of my son is here what's up buddy your jacket yes there you go Thank you. i'll be done soon okay, okay. also we're having dinner okay i know um, away from his plate <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> um but yeah yeah having that uh having that understanding with your current partner if you have or want one is super important because it just sets the tone for the rest of the relationship um people partners are going to understand what they're agreeing to when they agree to a relationship with you it's not just you it's you and your kids and if the situation allows a previous partner as well um you know, it was really important to me to not necessarily get along perfectly, but to be able to do things like go to a school function, like a Christmas play, without shooting the other parents' dirty looks. Like, that was really important to me to have at least that relationship with my ex and, and her partner. Um because, like, I don't want the kids to see that. You know, you don't want the kids to feel like they're walking on eggshells in their life. And that's probably the most important important thing, in my opinion. That's that's wonderful. Well, um, I don't think it's being cut short. Uh, <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed this. I had fun. I'm sure we could talk about loads more, especially when it comes to Teslas and everything oh, else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate all the words of wisdom that you have passed my way, especially, but to everyone else's way. And thank you so, so much. Of course. If you need anybody else on or you have a gap or just want to have a follow up conversation with anything else, just let me know. Oh, definitely. Very soon, too. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Like maybe a few months from now, a little update. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 90 day update. Okay. All right. Thank you, Casey. And you have a wonderful day. Go enjoy dinner. All right. You too. Bye.